Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Today, Cache County Executive David Zook joins us to talk about housing. He formed the Housing Crisis Task Force earlier this year, and that task force recently shared its recommendations. We're going to talk about housing availability, affordability, the economy, among other related topics. And uh, you can get your uh, questions, uh, maybe your experience uh, to us. Everybody's got a, a, a story. Seems like a horror story these year, these these uh, yeah, months. Uh, by email to upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at uh, gmail.com. David Zook, welcome back to the program. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate you having me on. Appreciate you uh, you coming in. Um, I want to read it right, right at the beginning here. I'm reading, I think this is from the Herald Journal report on, on the report from the uh, the task force and this is one of the people who uh, I think headed up the task force uh, Cache County Economic Development Director Sean Milne and so this is what Mr. Milne says and I think echoes what a lot of us are feeling uh, he says this is exactly what parents of folks aged like me or older have told our kids to go forth and do get good grades get a professional education get a professional job check 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 Having accomplished all that, he says the younger generation now needs to feel that they can join the community without going broke in the process. I think there's a lot of concern that young people can't afford housing. Yeah, I, I think uh, you, you started with the bottom line up front, which yes. is what I like to do. This is really the, the root issue in our housing crunch that we're in, is how it's going to affect our young people, our children, and they they are the ones who are going to be dealing with this um, most urgently uh, and and I think in a very difficult way because they have less income, uh, they don't already own a home in most cases, and, and really this is, a, I'll, I'll tell you one of the number one talking points that I've been sharing with people related to this issue. It's related to our kids and, and how they affect our growth. One of the things that the task force identified and, and put into their report was that people are concerned about growth and they're concerned about new housing coming in. They're concerned about different housing types. They're concerned about how that new housing will affect their existing community. And what, they, what, what people oftentimes do is they say, well, we don't want those people here. Uh, we don't want those kinds of people here. And they they otherize these people in, in some way or another, and and uh, but what what the data is very clear about is that those people are our own children. If, if you if you look at our growth, we grew about twenty percent in the last census here in Cache County. We added about twenty thousand people, actually just over twenty thousand. I think it was about twenty thousand five hundred people that we added to our population here in Cache County. Of those 20,000 people, 17,500 were our own kids. So 85% of our growth was our own children. And uh, though that, that's not those people. I, people people uh, sometimes want to say, well, it's the Californians or it's uh, some, some other group coming here to Utah or coming here to Cache Valley. And that does happen, but it's a, a very small percentage of our growth that's driven by outsiders. And uh, th there was a, another comment that was made by the task force that if we don't address this issue, we will essentially be banishing our own children from our community. 
And I, maybe some people want to do that. <laughs> I know at least we want to banish them from our basement. They, they should go out and get their own place at some point. But we need our children in our community. We, we need that growth. We need them in our workforce especially. Our economy, thankfully, is very strong here in Cache County. And I've spoken with so many businesses over the past couple of years who have told me that they're growing they could grow more, they would grow more, they would do more if they could find the workforce, if they could hire people. We, over the past year, have had, at, at some points, the lowest unemployment rate in the entire nation. Out of more than 3,000 counties in the nation, we've, we've been number one at points over, over the past year with, a, with, an, with an unemployment rate of as low as 1.0%. So there are a lot of jobs out there. I've heard that we've had as many as 5,000 jobs available in our community. And we, we need the workforce. We need our, our young people to stay here, to, to live here, to work here. And we have this incredible university here. We're, we're on the campus right now, Utah State University. And there's, there's so much good happening here. People being educated, smart young people coming out of this university who have something to give back to our community and do we do we want to have a brain drain and have all of all of that intelligence just leave our community and go somewhere else i don't think so i think we should we should we should keep them here we should welcome them here we should make a place for them to be here uh, so yes absolutely the youth are the ones who i think will be most affected by this and uh, and i I have a personal stake in this. I have kids, and uh, my kids, uh, none of them have purchased a home yet. And I think about it, and I think, how is that ever even going to be possible for them to purchase a home? How are they going to, how many years will they have to, to work in their career, to save up, to, uh, to increase their income before they can get to the point? Meanwhile, that it's a moving target. <laughs> that price of the home uh, is is going to continue to run away from them and, and, and stay out in front of them. So I, I think about my own children and how they'll be able to buy a home. Uh, we were talking right before we went on the air about our, our own homes and, mm -hmm. and how much they've increased in value. Most people in Cache County, if they had to buy their own house today, they wouldn't be able to afford their mm -hmm. own house that they're already yeah. in. Uh, it's, uh, it's something that isn't sustainable. And that's that's why I called this task force together. And I, I just want to take a moment to thank all of the members of the task force. I asked a few people if they would if they would head it up. And uh, that included Sean Milne, who you mentioned. He's, he's my economic development director, works for me there at the county. Uh, and then Karina Brown, she's a policy analyst for me. Uh, and then John Drew, he's the former mayor of Providence here in the Valley. So I asked the three of them if they would lead this effort and, and co-chair the task force. And then we invited 50 different experts to represent a variety of different perspectives around the community. And we had several people from Utah State University, uh, faculty and staff, uh, even a student. We had a student who lives in student housing. Uh, we had uh, staff who oversee student housing. We had uh, faculty who are in uh, different different fields from social work to economics. 
And then a number of community uh, representatives, uh, people in the industry, in real estate, in, um, in banking, mortgage industry, as well as people representing a variety of different um, stakeholder groups, uh, people representing minority groups, people representing veterans, people representing the homeless. And uh, we brought all of these people together, 50 different people, and I asked them if they would take two months. So I assembled this group in April, and I said, I want you to take 60 days. I want you to study this issue. I want you to talk amongst yourselves and with the public. I want you to gather the data, and I, I want you to come up with some recommendations on some things that, that we can do. And, and by we, I, I meant at every level. I, I, I work for the county. I, I'm elected at the county level. But I asked them if they would give us recommendations that could be implemented at the city level, at the state legislature, at the federal level, uh, even um, in the private sector. So uh, that's what they gave. Uh, that's what they gave me was a list of recommendations with a variety of suggestions for each of those different levels, and. Uh, so I just I want to thank them for the work that they put in. They met multiple times over that 60-day period. They put in a ton of work. And I, I think it was a, a very valuable process, and they have some great suggestions that they've come up with as well. And I, I think it, this is maybe an indication of, of what a great process it was, is there are plans now to replicate it around the state. Uh, the, the Utah Land Use Institute has approached, uh, approached us and asked us if we would help them to implement similar task force meetings around the state to, to generate similar discussions in, in communities around the state. Because it's, it's really, uh, it's a local issue. Housing is a local issue. I know this is, this is a national issue also, but it's something that we need to solve on a local level. And when, when I was going around recruiting people to serve on the task force, one of the gentlemen I spoke with, he said, uh, he said, you know, this is not just a problem here in Cache Valley. This is a problem throughout the state, throughout the nation even, this housing crunch. And I said, yes, I understand that. I understand that it's an issue that, that goes beyond our valley. But that doesn't mean that we can't solve it here. We... Are, we have the ability to solve this problem for our community, and we also have the ability to make it worse. So I think, I think it's critical that, that every community, uh, especially uh, those here in Cache County, that we look at this issue, that we look at the factors that are driving this issue, and that we look at ways that we can address it, ways that we can fix it. One of the things the task force said was they they felt like one of the solutions to our problem would be a cultural shift. And, uh, and I asked, well, what do you mean by a cultural shift? And they said, we need to change the way people look at growth in our community. And a big piece of that is what I was talking about earlier with 85% of the growth being our own kids and grandkids. But too many people look at growth as something that has to be negative. And of course, growth can have negative impacts. 
but it can also be positive. And that's what we need to look at is we need to look at ways that we can mitigate potential negative impacts of growth and turn them into positives. We need to look at ways that we can plan for growth so that we can grow in, a, in an intelligent way. And the growth is going to happen no matter what. It, it's going to happen. We will have growth. The question is whether or not we're going to allow that growth to drive us or whether or not we will drive the growth. And by, by, by us driving the growth, I mean direct, directing it and, and determining where it happens, what it looks like, what kind of infrastructure we're going to install around it, and how we're going to mitigate the effects of that growth. I, um, I actually studied this a little bit in my, um, in my graduate studies. I, I studied housing, and, and one of the things that I learned uh, during that time was that uh, growth, and even dense growth, can have negative impacts. And everybody knows that because everybody's seen examples of dense housing that has negative impacts on on its surrounding community. But what we also know is that if you build in the right way, you can actually increase property values. You can actually increase safety. You can actually increase recreational opportunities. You, you can add a lot of positive uh, attributes to your community if you grow in a smart way. And and that's the cultural shift the task force was talking about, was helping our community to realize that the growth doesn't have to be negative. And in fact, if we have that mindset, we will drive it to grow in more negative ways. And uh, what what the task force means by that is that if we take our traditional approach of let's slow down growth by not allowing it to be dense. Uh, that, that's, I think, a common approach people have is they say, we don't want growth, so let's not allow density and let's just let people uh, build on larger lots and only on larger lots. Well, that, that doesn't actually decrease the number of people. We're still going to have the same 20% growth that we've been having. We're just going to eat up more land when we do that. We're going to lose more open space. We're going to lose more farms because people will have to spread out because if we don't allow density, then we'll, we'll sprawl. We'll gobble up the, the space that makes Cache Valley beautiful. The, I think one of the, the things that most people love about, about Cache Valley is the open space we have, the farms, the beautiful vistas, the, the natural areas, the, the wildlife in those natural areas. And if we're not smart about how we grow, we'll gobble all that up. We'll use it up. It'll be gone. And I don't think anybody wants that. Uh, so if we know the growth is going to happen and we, we know there's a good way to do it and a bad way to do it, then shouldn't we pick the good way? Mm. Um, there, you know, we talk about availability and affordability. You, you were touching on availability there, you know, more more housing, right? But in the right way. I want to return to that as, as we go. I want to return to affordability. So um, more housing units, m more housing available, available, will that bring the price down? Uh, there's a lot of factors, right? The inflation in general, supply problems. It's a national problem as well as a local problem. I wonder if you'd speak a bit to 
of the task force uh, talked a bit about affordability because that you know that's where we started right uh, can yeah. can young people can't afford to get into a, a home I couldn't afford to repurchase <laughs> the home I'm in right yeah oh, so yeah. H- how do we tackle the affordability part of it absolutely and we know that supply and demand are inextricably linked and that as our supply decreases and our, our demand increases, that, that drives the cost up. Uh, you're, you're exactly right. There are a multitude of factors affecting our housing costs and our housing crisis, and some of those we can't do anything about. And that was one of the things I, I asked the task force to do uh, initially was I said, there are a number of factors out there, like supply chain that you mentioned or interest rates, that, w- that we cannot do anything about here in Cache Valley. Uh, or, or we we might have very limited influence on, and so let's focus on the things that we can change. Uh, so those things affect affect the supply uh, and the the workforce issues that I mentioned. Those are affecting our our costs, uh, and and we're we're working on those as well. But the the number one thing is is the growth and the availability of housing. We've had some points. Uh, in recent years where the number of houses on the market, for example, last April, just over a year ago, there were only 53 houses on the market here in Cache County. The normal numbers historically have been five to 600. So when you only have 50 houses on the market, but a lot more people than that trying to buy those houses, you get into bidding wars, you have prices driven up by that skyrocketing demand. And uh, thankfully, that's something that does look like it's been easing, at least in the last couple of months. I This is what I think, and I've, I've spoken with a couple of real estate agents about this, and um, I, I think there's a sentiment by a lot of people that we've reached the peak of our housing price increase, and there were people who were maybe waiting to sell until they felt like it had peaked. Uh, and I, I more than one realtor has has told me that that's their theory about why we suddenly have a lot more houses on the market. Uh, so those numbers have improved. The prices haven't necessarily gone down yet. Although I have t- I have heard there maybe is a little bit of <laughs> a little bit of a positive turn. I have heard of two cases where people actually have dropped their prices. Um, however, they may have started <laughs> their <laughs> their original listing price may have been pretty high to start with. So um, maybe things have reached a peak now. Uh, there's also been a significant slowdown because of mortgage interest rates increasing. With mortgage interest rates increasing, that, that has slowed down demand. However, it has also seriously affected affordability. Uh, if, if you look at the average, um, the average mortgage rates, they dipped down as low as 2% last year, <clears throat> but they're up over 5%, I believe, right now. So that that makes a big difference in in affordability because that really affects the, the house payment, the monthly house payment. If you look back at two th- in 2010, the average, the average monthly mortgage payment here in Cache County was $893. Uh, who, who wouldn't who wouldn't uh, kill for a, a a rate that low right now? You you can't even rent for that price now, and uh, that eight hundred ninety three dollars today is twenty six hundred dollars. 
I, and I look at that and I think, how how are people doing that? Well, they're not. They're, they're not able to do that. We, uh, the, the data that, that we looked at, and this is a few months old now, it's probably worse than this, but the data showed that more than 80% of Cache County residents could not afford to buy a house right now. So that's going to affect the demand as well because uh, when suddenly no one can even afford to buy a house anymore, then uh, the, the prices are going to have to come down. I, I'm hoping that's what happens. But um, that, that's driven not just by interest rates but also by the average home price. So the average home price, I, I mentioned 2010 when the average monthly house payment was 893 per month. That's because the average home price was $172,000. And now the average home price is over $500,000. Depending on which community you look at, in some communities it's over $600,000. So that, uh, that is really driving uh, the attainability away from people. And housing attainability is, is becoming a serious problem. Uh, I've, I've personally had uh, a couple of family members who have, have struggled with transitions in housing and being able to find a place and um, my my sister actually ended up building a house and um, because of of issues with supply labor shortages it took more than a year for their house to actually be built I had another one who was looking to rent and took her a significant amount of time to find a place so uh, I've seen and you mentioned Sean Sean's told this story Sean the, our economic development director but he, uh, we hired him from uh, Tooele County, and when he moved here, he actually lived in a hotel for several months mm. before he was able to find a home. And he's a, a working professional, making a really good wage and um, good credit, just couldn't find a place, attempted to buy several places. So there are a lot, a, a lot of struggles. Uh, the, the costs are increasing, um, but... But here's something that has not increased nearly as fast as the the housing prices. So, if our if our average mortgage payment was eight ninety three and now it's twenty six hundred dollars a month, have uh, have our wages increased that much? I, I don't know of anybody mm-hmm. who's had their uh, has had their wages double or triple in that time period. So that that's the disconnect, and that's where it gets difficult for her residents. Well, let's take a break. We'll come back much more on the Housing Crisis Task Force, which recently reported its recommendations. That was formed by Cash County Executive David Zook, and he joins us for the hour to talk about this. We'll have more following this. Thanks for listening to Access U. Tom Tom Williams. We're talking about the housing crisis, and I think uh, we all know what we're talking about there. Uh, people not being able to uh, afford a home, especially young people, and their worries that our young people won't be able to live that American dream, uh, actually afford uh, to, to buy a home. And, uh, in fact, are our young people going to have to move elsewhere? Uh We'll even be able to do that because this is a you know statewide and national uh, uh, problem. Uh, Cash County Executive David Zook put together a housing crisis task force earlier this year, and recently they shared recommendations. We're talking about that on the program uh, today. Uh, 
So, David Zook, uh, I want to talk about some of the top recommendations here, um, uh, which include uh, reformation of zoning uh, processes, both on the city and county level, um, coordinating for planning growth, uh, public education campaign uh, with an emphasis on reaching younger people. Maybe we start with the zoning. Um, I know this can be a very contentious issue, and uh, and perhaps people. I just attended a neighborhood meeting where where Logan City was outlining some uh, proposals, and um, I wouldn't say it got heated, but it got uh, you know there was there was some confrontation there, um, and I expect that's probably the case in in many of these sorts of of meetings, um, and. Maybe people uh, grasp, oh, yes, there needs to be growth, even high-density growth, but maybe not in my neighborhood, right? That's probably the the, <laughs> that's the, the, the usual attitude, response. Right? Yeah. yeah, that's the usual response. Uh, there's, there's a, I don't know, maybe it's a derogatory term of NIMBY that's applied to people like that. It stands for not in my backyard. Uh, but that is a common response. People oftentimes agree that there's a need to do something about this. They just don't want that solution to be in their neighborhood. And I totally understand that. I think I think we all are very protective of of our community, our neighborhood, our home, our family. We want to preserve the things that that are special and important to us. And our community is 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 definitely high up there on, on things that we want to protect. So I understand why why people feel that way. And I, I think it, it's kind of funny uh, that the mayor of Nibley, I, I worked with him for many years when he was on the council there. He's the current mayor, Larry Jacobson. He served as a planning commissioner there in Nibley before he served on the council. And he, he used to always say, everybody wants to freeze the community and make sure it continues to look exactly how it did right after they changed it. And, and I, I think that's, that's pretty common. I hear people say, yeah, I, I got my house, and it was built on land that maybe used to be open space or a farm. But now that I got mine, <laughs> let's just stop the development. Let's put up a gate on Sardine Canyon now, and let's, uh, let's keep it exactly how it is today. And I totally get that because we have an incredible community and we want it to stay how it is. Uh, but when, when we know there's going to be growth, we, we need to decide what we're going to do to deal with that growth. And, and not dealing with it is not a good solution. So zoning reform was one of the, uh, was one of the suggestions that came from the task force. And, and what do they mean by that? One of the reasons, well, really the number one reason why a group of people decides to incorporate and form their own city or town is so that they can control their own destiny. We incorporate as as cities and towns so that we can decide what we want our community to look like, so that we can decide how our community grows, so that we can decide what kind of zoning we're going to allow in our community. So that is one of the, the very foundational reasons for having a city in the first place. And, and that's what cities do. Cities have planning commissions, planning staff, city councils whom, who make these legislative and administrative decisions about growth. And that authority to do that is actually delegated to them by the state. The state of Utah has that authority 
and has given to cities through the Land Use Development and Management Act the ability to make those decisions on a local level. So cities have wide discretion, broad discretion, about what they're going to do or what they're going to allow. And they could tell a property owner, we won't even allow you into our city. We will not allow you to annex in. Or they could tell a property owner, we will allow you to annex in, but we will zone your property agricultural or something on the opposite end. Uh, and and city councils are allowed to do that. <clears throat> but um, that discretion, I think, is at risk. The, the state has delegated that authority, and one of the things the task force actually recommended was that the state step in and dictate to cities what they can and cannot allow. And that has happened on a, a limited scale already in, in recent legislative sessions. There's, there have been a lot of discussions about, about uh, the state essentially forcing cities to, uh, to allow certain housing types that they traditionally might not want to allow. Uh, and uh, that I think that's actually kind of scary and, and very sad that, that we would get to the point where the state would have to come in and dictate to us what, what we're allowed to do, what we can and can't do in our community. And um, it, it's something, though, that is the result of the way we are handling our local zoning laws. And initially, the task force started talking about this. And they said, it's the city councils. We need the city councils to be educated. We, know, we need the city council members to know that they're causing a problem. And I, I actually spoke in defense of, of city councils uh, to, to some of the task force members. And I said, you know, the city councils are only reflecting what they are, are being told to do by their residents. Uh, the citizens are the ones who... The, city, the council members work for, and the council members oftentimes know that if they if they don't take the stance that is popular, then they won't be in office anymore. They'll they'll be elected out of office, and um, and somebody else will will be put in there who reflects the will of the people. So that's that's where actually this the second recommendation on their list of public education campaign comes in, and. Uh, the with the thought being that if we can help the public to understand this issue in a different way, then that will hopefully drive public policy to unfold in a different way. And until that happens, I, I don't really see much change happening at the, the city and county council levels because there is a tremendous amount of pressure from residents to not allow more density, to not allow more housing types. And uh, an example of that is Providence City. And uh, their their former mayor is one of the people asked to co-chair this task force because he was on the front lines of, of one of uh, these conflicts between what the people wanted and what their elected representatives were trying to do. They had a project uh, that was constructed in Providence City and uh, it included townhomes and condos and single-family single, single family homes. Well, I think the first phase may not have had single-family homes, but the second phase was going to. 
And to the second phase, the land was annexed in. The, the council approved the annexation. The land was rezoned. And then the citizens filed a referendum and referred that decision to the voters to, uh, to ask the voters if they agreed with the council's decision. And more than 80% of the voters who, who voted in that election said, no, we don't agree with what the council has said here, and they overturned that decision. So that, that project was killed and um, didn't happen. I, I uh, drove out there recently some, uh, to, to show some people, and uh, we, we saw the land sitting there. It's an empty field. Uh, the first phase of that project was done and approved, but the second phase was never completed. So um, the, the same thing actually almost happened in Nibley. I, you mentioned uh, in the introduction that I, I used to work for Nibley City. I was their city manager for almost a decade, and um, Nibley changed its housing ordinances to allow for, for different types of density and, and, and zoning. And uh, the very first project that was approved under that new ordinance, the the voters did the same thing. They collected signatures. They uh, they asked to put it on the ballot to overturn it. And uh, in that case, the they ended up getting enough signatures, and actually pretty quickly. But uh, there there were some technical difficulties with the signature gathering process, and so it didn't end up going on the ballot. It um, it didn't qualify to go on the ballot. If it had, I suspect we would have seen the same outcome. Um, that we saw in Providence, where the citizens would have voted against it and said, no, uh, we're not going to allow that here. By the way, I got my house here <laughs> already, <laughs> but uh, we're not going to allow those people to have theirs. It, it's, it's a very tough situation. It's very, it can be very contentious. Uh, but really, what, what the task force thinks needs to be a big part of this education campaign is you know what you just did by not allowing that development. Yeah, maybe you preserved your your part of town to continue to look the way it's been looking for a long time. But where are your kids going to live? Where are your children going to be able to afford to buy a house? And that that I think is the question that we need to ask, and that and that needs to be part of this education campaign. And that's part of the reason why the task force said that. We need to get young people involved in in this, and that we need to make sure the education campaigns reach out to young people to let them know what's being done to them by their elders, <laughs> by their parents, in in some cases, because um, because the task force felt like if those young people spoke up for their own interests, that maybe they would have a little bit better influence. And be able to say, "Hey, this is me. I'm I'm the victim of these policies. I'm the one who's being affected by these policies." And I think that's really important because when we when we don't see people as people, it's really easy for us to to adopt policies that uh, that can sometimes be detrimental. It's very important when when we're pushing for policies that we see people as people, that we see them for who they really are, that we see the humanity in, in the policy and, and how those policies will affect humanity. And 
if we do that, if we really look at this housing issue and we look at who's being affected by it, we'll see that 85% of the people being affected by this in our community are our own children. Well, let's take another break. We'll come back. Uh, we'll have more to say about the housing crisis. We're talking about uh, the recommendations uh, issued recently by the um, the Housing Crisis Task Force, which was set up by Cash County Executive David Zook. Uh, and he is joining us for the hour. More following this. Thanks for listening to Access U Time. Tom Williams. We have another 10 minutes left with David Zook, Cash County Executive. Uh, he set up a, a housing crisis task force earlier this year, and recently they reported their recommendations. We're talking about that. Uh, we talked earlier in the program about the problem. Uh, it's hard for anyone to afford housing uh, these days, including especially our young people. Uh, so, uh, so how do we address this as part of what uh, the housing crisis task force was tasked with, uh, with doing? And uh, now we're talking about some of the recommendations. David Zuck, I want to follow up on the, this recommendation of reformation of, of zoning, uh, which is for the purpose, right, of, of loosening up um, um, the availability of housing, right, to be able to build more houses, higher density housing. You're saying that that will help ease uh, demand, hopefully, hopefully lower prices and uh, uh, places for our young people to, to live. I want to maybe have you talk to those who are, you know, generally skeptical uh, about how the process works. I have friends who just are, you know, quite cynical about this, that, that uh, hey, we, we make long-term plans collectively. Then the developer comes in and, uh, you know, money talks and uh, what the developer wants, the developer gets. And bottom line, I think, uh, you know, what produces some of this cynicism, skepticism, and fear is, I genuinely, uh, you know, I, I moved to this area for a reason, right, people will say, all right, I love living in, in this neighborhood or this town for a reason, right, and understand the need for change, but uh, but but I'm skeptical that the, our process for, for planning and ensuring that change will be a good change and not a bad change is, you know, fearful about that. I wonder if you could address those those concerns. Yeah, those are those are valid concerns, and uh, I've often had similar thoughts myself about uh, about preserving our community because I that's the reason why I live here. That's the reason why I have raised my children here and continue to raise my children here because we have an incredible community. It's a safe community. It's a beautiful community. It's a clean community, and we all want to preserve that. I want to preserve that. Uh, the, I think the question is, though, for for whom will we preserve it? Are, are we preserving it uh, just for ourselves, or are we preserving it for future generations? Uh, I, I think we owe a great debt to the people who came before us in this valley, who planned out our community, who laid out the roads, who surveyed the valley, who who built infrastructure uh, that that we might be able to have the water and um, and and take care of the wastewater and and uh, the parks and open spaces that we have. There are many people who came before us who built an incredible community here in Cache County, and I'm thankful. I'm thankful for them. But I I feel like we continue to have 
that responsibility. They weren't the only ones who had that responsibility. We today have the responsibility to be good stewards for future generations and to continue to plan in an intelligent way uh, what our community will be tomorrow, what it'll look like tomorrow, how it will grow for tomorrow. And uh, there, there are a lot of competing pressures there, and developers are, are one of those. And um, I, I think it was somebody on the task force said um, a developer is like an attorney. You don't like them unless they're working for you. <laughs> if you need one, uh, then you're going to want one. But um, if they're working for somebody else, you, you're not fond of them. And uh, that's, that's all developers are doing is they're helping people to achieve the American dream. Not everybody is, has the skill set to, uh, to go in and acquire land and survey it and, and install utilities. Or, and not everybody wants to do that. Uh, so a developer is, is, is just the middleman. They, they provide that service for people to, to help establish housing neighborhoods and and to build communities and we we need to be partners with them uh, I, I I hear the concern that developers uh, maybe are, are coming in and dictating um, and maybe that has happened but I would say that in in my experience at least in in the past decade or, or so uh, serving I served on the Hyde Park Planning Commission for almost a decade and then uh, as Nibley city manager for about a decade, I did not see very many examples of developers getting their way. In fact, it's been the opposite, uh, where we don't really have a free market when it comes to uh, housing development, and uh, developers are are really significantly constrained. And that's that's one of the issues that has led to this crisis. Is if if we put more constraints on developers, that drives cost up. If, if we say, for example, you can't have this additional density, or we say, if you want a little additional density, you're going to have to set aside some open space, that makes their project more expensive. Uh, cities are constantly asking developers for concessions and, and squeezing as much as they can out of developers which is oftentimes appropriate. There are uh, appropriate concessions uh, that, that should be uh, directly proportional to their impact that they're having on the community. Uh, and, and the law is actually pretty clear when it comes to that on, on what a, a city can squeeze out of a developer. And most cities are doing that. They are sometimes squeezing more out of a developer than they could legally ask for. Um, but the developers are, are, are going along with it because that, that's what they have to do to, to conduct their business. It's just kind of the name of the game. So um, there, there are definitely some challenges there, and definitely people don't want to negatively impact their community. But what, what I think people, uh, maybe it would be more helpful for people if they would get involved and engaged in the process and learn more about the process, uh, because if, if if we're not informed about what's going on, we're we're not going to be helpful to the process. 
So what I would suggest uh, to, to citizens or people who are concerned in that way is to, to educate yourself. Find, find out what are your city's zoning laws. Go to your planning commission meetings in your community and find out what, what they're working on. Th- this is something that always happens. The crowd shows up. I have seen this happen. The crowd shows up at the planning commission meeting or the city council meeting with with the torches and the pitchforks and just really upset about some project that's being proposed and they speak in the public hearing and they advocate and they and they say here's what we want here's what we don't want and they're very good at that point in the process in having their voices heard uh, i was in one of those meetings one time and a lot of residents showed up and and did that and then the very next item on the agenda was an item to actually discuss an ordinance that would regulate how these types of projects would happen in the future everyone left everybody came for the public hearing and said don't do this and then the next part of the meeting was a discussion about well how should we do things how should we regulate growth in our city and everybody left nobody stayed for that part of the discussion and that's really the important part that's the part that actually matters because once you get to the point of having a public hearing the rules are already set and and the law is is clear in the state of utah that if you have an ordinance on the books and it says a developer can do something you can't tell them no if they follow the rules, once once those rules are set, you have to play by those rules as a city as well. So the important part is the rule setting in the first place. This, the, when, you're, when you're creating the ordinances in the first place, that's when people should be involved. That's when, when, when people should make sure their voice is heard. However, if, if it's just going to be to say, no, don't allow it, then that's just not realistic. We, we have to be engaged. We have to be involved. And we have to find ways to deal with our growth because like, like we've seen and, and as we know will continue the future, our population will keep growing. Uh, until people stop having kids, our population is, go- is going to continue to grow. So if we know it's going to grow, then we need to be smart about how we grow. We need to be engaged in that process. We need to think about, about where we're going to put that growth. And preserving open spaces is, is a critical issue. Um, another Another group that uh, I've been working with is an, an open space task force. It's not really referred to as a task force, but that's essentially what it is. And we have a, a group of about 50 other experts in our community who've been working on preserving open space. And that's something that actually could help our housing issue because uh, it would hopefully alleviate some of the pressure on developments to preserve open space within their developments uh, because that's something that drives the cost up. So. Uh, there's a group that uh, has been working on uh, preserving open space. They have done a lot of public outreach and actually found a significant amount of public support for putting a bond on the ballot this November to preserve open space. And uh, if, in fact, that uh, that ends up going on the ballot, I'd love to come back and talk more about that topic. Yeah, very important topic as well. Uh, well, we reached uh, near the end of the hour here. Um, we appreciate you talking about this important issue. The Housing Crisis Task Force earlier this year was formed by Cache County Executive Dave Zook, and uh, Task Force recently shared some of his recommendations. We've been talking about this on the, the program today. I know it's on 
on uh, all of our minds. Um, so, David Zook, uh, just have about a minute left. What's what's next? They've reported their recommendations. I guess you're you're gonna gonna push push these recommendations. Hope they get implemented. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the next step really is we're going on tour, and this is part of the tour today. <laughs> Thanks for inviting me to come and, and talk to you about it. But we are literally going on tour and going around to all of the council meetings. We we hope to present to every city council in the county. And uh, we're also going to go to our legislature. Uh, we actually had a couple of our legislators serve on the task force, Senator Wilson and Representative Dan Johnson. They uh, both uh, were part of this, and part of the reason we included them was because we hoped that uh, some of the recommendations would be things that we would take to the legislature. So we're, we're taking the show on the road now. And as I mentioned, we're, we're helping other communities around the state to implement uh, a similar approach and inform task forces in their areas. Very good. We'll, uh, we'll watch with interest uh, what happens here. Uh, David Zook, Cache County Executive, thanks for coming in. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you, Tom. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening today to Access Utah.